Hello and welcome to the Outside and Active podcast. My name's Dom and I'll be playing host to conversations tailored for those who love the outdoors. Thank you for joining me on this adventure where I speak to a whole host of interesting guests with inspiring stories. And for our next stop on this adventure, I'm joined by professional climber Pete Whittaker. Pete is one of the world's top big wall solo climbers, and he's probably best known for his expertise in crack climbing, which involves ascending rock formations with long, narrow fissures known as cracks. In 2016, he made the first solo-free ascent of El Capitan in under 24 hours, and in 2018 made a sub-24-hour solo of both El Capitan and Half Dome. And as a top climber, Pete is continuously challenging himself to try different things that other climbers have and push himself both mentally and physically in the world of climbing. And as well as all of his amazing climbing achievements, he's ventured into the world of YouTube where he's taking on different challenges and opening up the world of climbing to a new and younger audience. But just before we jump into this week's episode, a quick word for this week's sponsor, iMedicare, otherwise known as Ephemia. Because of the high impact nature of running, stress incontinence is actually very common in runners. Ephemia is a support that can be used with running or exercising to prevent this problem. Ephemia is comfortable and can be used for up to 16 hours at a time. Each Ephemia can be washed and reused for up to 3 months of daily use or up to 12 months of intermittent use. Ephemia can be prescribed by your GP in a starter kit of 3 sizes for trial or purchased privately from mypelvichealth.co.uk. For more information on Ephemia and the NHS code for the starter kit, take a look at the description if you're watching on YouTube, the podcast notes if you're listening on your phone, or the article on the Outside and Active website. There is so much more information, so go and check it out there. And without further ado, let's head straight into this episode of the ONA podcast with Pete Whittaker. Pete, welcome. How are you doing? Yeah, good. Thanks for having me You are speaking here at the National Outdoor Expo. In a few hours, how are you feeling about that? Yeah, good. Um, I've got like an inspiration talk, so a bit of a talk about my journey in climbing. I'm going to be specifically talking about big walls. And then I've also got a talk, it's called a skills session. Yeah. So it's another talk, but I'll be, it's about crack climbing. I'll be showing some skills on stage. You'll, you'll have some, some proper way. people that really want to go, know the, the, the nitty gritty. Yeah, maybe, maybe. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> we'll we'll find see. We'll find out. Yeah. <laughs> play it by it. Well, do you do many speaking things like this? Yeah, yeah, I've done quite a lot. So I did a yeah, I did a tour last year um, with speakers from the Edge, um, who are like speaking organization tour. So I've done like stage tours and things like that. So yeah, nice. Well, thank you for joining us on the ONA podcast. Yeah, we kick off every episode with where I offer you a piece of advice from someone who's been on the episode uh, before or previously. And this piece of advice comes from Preet Polar Preet, who's been speaking at the show this weekend. And her advice is don't limit yourself and don't let anybody tell you that you can't achieve something. And I feel like with what you do, there are probably people that say, don't do that. That's stupid. Or you can't do that. How do you, has that happened? Or if there, if it has, how do you sort of deal with that? Um, I, I don't think it's happened that people have said, don't do that. Yeah. Uh, but I think maybe some people think like, oh, that's maybe that that's in possible or yeah. or why are you doing that um especially like <laughs> me and <clears throat> excuse me uh, me and a friend did a, a big bridge climb a couple of years ago and it's really bizarre thing you know like climbing on the underside of a motorway bridge but for us it was it had this like big crack in we're really into like a style of climbing called crack climbing mm. and um 
So we went and did that, but to anybody else, it looks like really bizarre. It's like this 2,000 foot horizontal bridge roof. And I think a lot of people, even climbers, probably thought, like, you know, what are you what doing? What are you doing? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I was going to ask you about that because Alex, um, who's part of our team, who you've met, who's doing the content, he's a massive climber. And he's, I said to him, you know, what, if you wanted to chat to people, what, what would you ask him? He said, ask him about the bridge because I don't understand, and, and crack climbing especially, because he said there's certain ways that you maneuver your hand to sort of get, you know, you might put your hand in soft and then tense it to just sort of leverage yourself and, I was watching the videos of when you were doing that as well and training for it. I mean, it looks completely different because it's still called climbing, but it's just a different type. Yeah, it's a very different style of climbing. I mean, the term climbing is very broad, broad. bracket, you know, um, and crack climbing is a very like sub niche of of climbing. Yeah. Um, but how you can describe it is instead of like holding onto the rock, like you would hold onto what we call like crimps or side pulls or hold. Climbing holds what you would usually distinguish as climbing um you're trying to climb a space between the rocks and in that space you're making body you know body positions with your hands your feet your legs knees arms to fill that space in the best way possible so you can stay in it that's that's essentially what crack climbing yeah. is yeah it takes a lot of strength and a lot yeah of it's um yeah yeah practice and technique and then when you get to the harder things then it is uh, quite strength-based um, but even for people who have not done much climbing, um, they can pick up crack climbing quite easily, right. uh, just with the right technique. But if you don't have the right technique, then it can become a whole world of like disaster, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. Well, a question that we also ask everyone, um, is what do you love about being outside and active? Uh, I guess the thing I really like is, well, I like being with friends and like sharing adventures with friends. I think in more recent years, probably like the last five or so years, I've definitely kind of, although I, although I do have like big goals, I've kind of enjoyed the, you know, just being out doing things with friends, you know, as I've got older. When I was younger, I was like very kind of goal orientated. Right. I, I still am really goal orientated, but there was always a really big single focus um, whereas these days I definitely like, you know, spending the time on the walls, climbing quickly, efficiently, being out, sharing adventures with the, with friends and stuff like that. So, yeah. Cause yeah. you've been doing a lot of YouTube stuff as well. Yeah. And that's lot, very different. I mean, parkour bits and pieces as well. How's that sort of challenged you and, and what have you learned from doing things like that, that, have, you know, you've learned to, to take into your own skill set with climbing? Yeah. So the, I guess the YouTube stuff is, that's very different to like what you would class as the personal yeah. climbing in a way. Um, I mean, that's like trying to make something that people are going to enjoy. So it's definitely like thinking about something in a different way. You're trying to create some content that people are going to enjoy watching rather than just doing something that's for personal. It's also making like climbing a lot more accessible though. I yeah. imagine you're, you'll get your, the growing audience you're getting people obviously that are naturally interested in climbing and want to know more about you and the guys that you're making videos with, but also people will be coming across it and going, Oh, I've not really realized that I'm, I'm not a massive climber. I don't know a lot about it, but looking into what everything that you've been doing and learning more from, from Alex since he's been working here is going, Oh, it's a whole different, once you open that door into it, like there's a whole massive, and like you said earlier, climbing is a very broad spectrum. Mm. So it'd be good to know for people that would be listening that don't know a lot about it of kind of a, 
a whistle stop tour of the different types of climbing and then also how you got into it as well yeah so the different types of climbing i mean if if we go down from the really you, you have the well what you class as bouldering yep. so really low um or yeah let's let's class it as like low um low climbing without ropes you have protection mats underneath you and usually it's focusing on the single hardest moves that you can do that's kind of classes bouldering and then as we go through the stages then you have like sport climbing which is a little bit longer you're using a rope you're clipping bolts and then up from that you might have like trad climbing which is generally like um, a bit easier physically than sport climbing um, but you're having to place your own protection in the right. rock um, so there isn't already protection there to clip there isn't bolts um, and then when you move up from trad climbing then I kind of think of like you know things that are a bit, bit more snowy like okay. w- winter climbing yeah. alpine climbing and then you have like a bit of higher altitude alpine climbing so you might be doing like five six seven thousand meters and then after that you have more like mountaineer what you would class as mountaineering um and then like high altitude mountaineering, which is like your 8,000 meter peaks, you know, Everest, K2, yeah. like these things. So, and at that lower, uh, the not lower end, but at the left hand end of the spectrum where we have bouldering and the right hand end of the spectrum where we have mountaineering, those two things to the general public, you could, uh, under the same bracket of climbing. Yeah. But they are so, so different. Yeah. It's like um, comparing a hundred meter sprint in the olympics to um like an ultra marathon uh, or ultra run across america for <laughs> 50 right. days okay they're both running yeah but they're like so far apart from each other different execution yeah. different communities as different well. different communities different people um yeah so, so i actually went to patagonia for the first time i just got back a couple of weeks ago and it was quite interesting because I've been around like my sort of trad climbing community for the last 10 years. Um, and obviously I know a lot of people that have been to Patagonia, but going to Patagonia, um, I sort of fell and met a whole new community that was right. more like like the alpine climbing community. Um, and that was really fun and interesting for me. Uh, and they're still all climbers and still share that passion and stuff, but it was just like a different kind of group of people learning different and things as well. learning different things yeah like i definitely learned a lot so where yeah. did the door open to climbing for you um it was quite early yeah with my parents um so maybe i was like seven or eight and for me it kind of started i guess it kind of started in the outdoors so they're really kind of outdoorsy folk yeah um and it was more just scrambling and walking in the hills and then locally on the gritstone edges i'd kind of like follow my mum up roots and stuff like that yeah just like seconding so yeah. she, she would lead and then I, I would follow and me and my sister would follow and take so, the gear out so how does it go from doing those things with with your family and I imagine indoor stuff as well to then taking on some of the challenges that you have done and just to give people some co- context of you know solo free ascent of El Capitan in 24 hours um Mount Watkins Half Dome Karag Oh yeah, Sharag. Sharag. Yeah, I, I knew I was going to get the pronunciation yeah. of that wrong. But um, how do you go from kind of getting into it to you know the steps between then going, being aware of these different places that are quite infamous to go and climb, and then going, well, I'm going to go and do it now. Um, 
I think it's just a, well, it's the process of growing up. So you, you get older, you come out your teenage years, you want to go and do things yourself. You start meeting um, new friends um, and especially like I met Tom, who's been a really long-term climbing partner and we started doing trips together and yeah. And then you go and see new places, you hear about different routes, you're talking to people, you're seeing where they're going, you're seeing photos and then you just, yeah, it, it's just like a snowballing effect and you get motivated by things and then you're like, oh, you know, I'd like to go and visit there or try this or you get ideas. And yeah. Does that come from, you? obviously you see things, you get exposed to like El Capitan, you'll hear about it and then you'll hear about other climbers that go, you know, different challenges across it. But for you, do you go, I want to try and set a record there or do something that no one's done before or is it just the motivation to go, that's quite a notable place to go and climb. I want to take that on. I think it's more the motivation to go to an area initially, I think. Sometimes it can be like a single-pointed challenge, Um, but especially with like going to Yosemite for the first time, that was more like, oh, I'd love to go to Yosemite just to try the big walls because I hadn't done any of that kind of stuff. And then when you go there, then you start to learn about the area and you learn a little bit more about the history and I mean, I really like reading about things that have been happened in the past and yeah. learning about the area and um, what people have climbed and the styles and this kind of stuff. And then, yeah, you start to learn about things. And then I feel like with Yosemite, especially when uh, after I've been there a couple of years, and I kind of knew the area and felt a bit more comfortable. Then I started kind of like, oh, maybe I could try this or oh, maybe I could try that. Um, it, it sounds like because we've spoken to loads of people here that like to take on challenges and it's that almost in the back of the head, that idea that comes in and it just doesn't quite leave and it festers and then you yeah. get that motivation. And I, cause like you were saying earlier, you kind of when until a few years ago, quite goal orientated. And I imagine that was around taking on certain climbs and going to certain areas. So in the build up to that, obviously there's a lot of preparation, but I'm interested where your mind is the 10 seconds before you start. Oh yeah. Are you excited, 10 seconds before you or are you thinking, are you, job 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 on here as such yeah i mean yeah you're definitely like always excited to to <laughs> definitely always excited to start these things um i think with some of the big uh solo things so where you're climbing by yourself on these big like two thousand three thousand foot walls then before you start then it's always like a bit oh, oh my god like you're looking up and it's like holy smokes this is <laughs> this is big it's quite big isn't yeah. it yeah <laughs> and then you're like Oh Jesus! It's got to, it's like all your own ability to yep. get to get you up there, and like all your own technique and stuff. You don't have anybody else to rely on, so you definitely feel like nervous for sure. But then I always feel like when I get climbing, you just like, oh yeah, no, of course, yeah, of course I can do this. I've been doing this for twenty five years. Like, <laughs> the solo aspect of it, because you said earlier you like it's this, it's it kept very sociable when you climb with friends. Yeah, but the solo aspect of it, what's just to explain to people a bit more about. Are there certain more danger elements or is it more difficult because you're, you don't have any support with you or you can't just be communicative? Yeah. So the, um, the solo aspect, I guess there's a few ways of soloing. You can obviously like free solo and everybody will know, not everybody, but most people heard of like Alex Honnold yep. and the free solo of El Cap. Um, so that's free soloing, but then you can have other, like the term soloing um, in big wall climbing is just uh means climbing by yourself yeah free soloing means without a rope 
So solo in soloing, you can have a mixture of things. You have a mixture of free solo. You can have a mixture of rope solo where you're self-belaying yourself and all this kind of stuff. So when you are soloing and you don't have a partner, then, you know, you, you're having to rely entirely on yourself. So it is definitely more mentally challenging. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely harder. It's harder. It's harder. You just don't have anybody to rely on or or put, you know, you have to lead everything there's nothing to, there's nobody to lean on, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and you're supported by rope, but it's still not like, oh, if you just drop, you're only dropping 10 centimeters and you're supported. Like if, if you, there is a risk element to it that if, you know, if you get something slightly wrong, that there could be consequences as well. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a harder technical system with rope soloing uh, because you're having to climb, but instead of somebody else belaying you from the belay or the ground, then you're having to do that whilst you're climbing. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's quite tricky. It's like, it makes the climbing harder. So then comparing, taking on El Capitan on your own, compared to then doing the bridge crack yeah. with, with friends, is that, do you view those completely differently? They're different experiences, different challenges, but do you enjoy both of them for what they are as well? Like the solo attempt, but then also doing this fun thing with friends? Uh, yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, they're, they're two two different yeah. sides yeah, of yeah, the spectrum and two different, I think, mental spaces that you need to be in. Um, like the thing, the bridge thing with Tom, with, with friends, um, that's, it, it's like mentally challenging because it was really physically difficult, but you have somebody to kind of have a laugh with, <laughs> which is always good. <laughs> and then, yeah, the solo thing is more like, yeah, like a mental challenge to keep going and, like kind of dig deep yourself and that kind of stuff. But I, I quite like also climbing by myself, not for really long periods of time, but for like those things where it's just a day or a push at a time. Um, yeah. When you got, when I was chatting to Preet yesterday, who gave your advice, she uh, did a solo expedition across Antarctica for 900 miles. And she said that when she completed it, it wasn't, I've conquered this place. She said, I have been allowed safe passage through this place uh, and I have a, a massive respect for it. So when you're taking on these challenges in these beautifully amazing places, when you've got to the point that you're, you know, c- when you've completed it, I guess, what's your viewpoint there about, do you look down and go, wow, that was, that was like a different experience? I'm, I'm usually just kind tired. of, um, yeah, <laughs> usually quite tired. Um, and usually it, it kind of depends. Sometimes I'm like happy with my climbing and sometimes I'm not so happy with my climbing. Really? Like, yeah. Like sometimes I feel like, oh, like I did a good job with that. And then other times I'm like, oh, I could have done better. It's more like a learning thing, you know? Um, I mean, it is, a, it is a good like feeling when you get to the top and you're like, yeah. you know, you've got to the 3000 foot, you've climbed it all by yourself. And it's it's definitely a different experience when when you top out, but it's not like, I'm never kind of like, oh, cool. Like, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's like, <laughs> yeah. it's like, yeah, it's a, yeah. again, tired. Just want to, want to go and <laughs> yeah. lay down for a little bit. I can imagine that. Yeah. But like I said earlier, I imagine a big part of what you do is preparation and knowing certain routes and understanding, you know, different checkpoints as well. But there was one that you did in 2009 in the American desert where you had like two photos to, to base it off. So how does that then affect your the challenge of climbing that area yeah that was that was slightly different that was a route that i was doing uh with a partner and we'd seen like i say two photos in a magazine um of this 
climbing project, which had been tried, it never been done. Um, and it was a style of climbing that me and a friend were really getting into uh, at the time. And we thought, oh, let's go and try that. And uh, we actually put aside, we knew it was going to be really hard because we could see from this photo and, and we'd read up about it from this guy that had tried it. Um, so we were like, oh, let's put aside two years and we're just going to train to go and try it. Yep. And then we're going to go and try it, um, <laughs> which is a really strange thing to do. I mean, what mm-hmm. you would probably do is like go and go have a look, yeah. <laughs> try it a bit, actually see what you okay. need to do, right. and then... Um, <laughs> and then do it. But you just did it, it a completely different way. We did it in a different way, yeah. And at the time, I was, I guess I was still at school. I was at six, was I at six form? No, I was at college, I think, after. So, um, But not old. Yeah. Not, you know, I was, still, I was still quite... Yeah, I was 18 when we started training for it. So I was 18, 19, and then went and did it when I was 20. Obviously, climbing, <laughs> there's, a, there's a strength element, there's a technique element. How big is the mental element of it especially on these solo uh, high climbs um yeah there's definitely a big ele- like mental element to it and also a big skill element to it i think mm. like that's the those two things for sure and i think it only takes there's definitely like a certain type of person who in, enjoys going solo climbing not not everybody wants to go solo climbing because it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a nightmare with like rope work and yes uh, or, yeah all yeah. this kind of stuff um and then if you are doing any free soldering as well without ropes like there's not many people who enjoy doing that kind of stuff that's a yeah. certain type of person as well um so yeah there's a very limited amount of people that, that do it um, you might have an answer for what would be you think your biggest achievement in in climbing or you know the one that you're the happiest with but do you have like a favorite climb that might be the first thing that you climbed it might be for whatever reason you did with friends but is there like an adventure or something for whatever reason however small that that, that was that for whatever reason will live with me for a long time um i can't think of a particular climb but a, an area that i've really in, enjoyed climbing in um is a place called canyonlands in america which is in uh, Canyonlands National Park, in right. fact. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and uh, it's this place where there's lots of big roof crack climbs, um, and it's a pretty special place in terms of, if you're into that style of climbing, it's a pretty special place. Um, like, I've never seen anywhere else with climbs that big and that steep for so long. Um, and I've spent quite a lot of time there doing a few trips and... Um, yeah, it's 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 definitely yeah, it's a, it's an amazing place. Is yeah. there somewhere that you've that that is almost in that back of your head going? I'd love to go there and try this. Um, well, before a few weeks ago, it was Patagonia actually. Oh, right. uh, yeah, take that one. Yeah, off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, for the last probably five to ten years, kind of Patagonia has always been. Ooh, kind of wonder what what that's like and. Um, the climbing kind of looks like it suits my style, but I've never had the right partners to go with. I, I never felt like, or um, yeah, that kind of thing. So it kind of all just lined up this year and you need to go for a long period of time. Right. Um, to get fully, the weather. Fully. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, Cause the weather's difficult there. So you, you have to go in like these, you stay in this town called El Chalten and then you have to wait for weather windows in the mountains um, and they don't come very often. So, so now <laughs> so, you're, you're you're waiting for a, there'll be something else that you see, and and then you'll go oh, that that will become my next objective at some point when you you want to do that. So it's uh, was Patagonia, yeah. but 
yeah, might yeah, be something yeah. else in the future. Yeah. I mean, Patagonia wasn't like a, a specific route or an objective. It was more it was like, I'd, I'd like to go and see the mountains yeah. and just experience the, the place. And it's a pretty yeah, wild place. So Yeah, I can, yeah. I, I can, I can definitely imagine. Um, what's been the most challenging climb for you, whether it be mentally, skill, physically? Um, I think in terms of the... <clears throat> In terms of the solo stuff, then the thing I did in 2016 where it was like a, the solo free climb of, of El Cap, mm. but mainly because I just wasn't quite as experienced um, in that style of climbing. So I hunted it for very long and it was like my first big thing. So it felt, I mean, it was hard, but it felt harder than I feel like it should have done, you know? Whereas now if I went back and did it, I feel a lot more experienced more in that style in of climbing. Yeah. yeah. It was yeah. that one of the ones you said where you finished it and you maybe weren't as happy with your climb. Um, I was, I was happy, but like, I was like, I definitely could have done a lot of things better. Looking back now, yeah, especially yeah, yeah. you can, you can tell a lot of things better. Yeah. yeah, one, yeah. one of the things that again, people that might not know as much about the world that you're in, no, wouldn't know about the grading of different climbs. Cause that's also quite complex. And cause I was, I was, watching one of your videos and you were talking about different gradings that you can, you know, do quite comfortably and ones that you aspire and it's numbers and letters mix. So give a bit of a, I know it's quite complicated, but a bit of a mix. Of, uh, try and explain it. Maybe grading. Uh, I mean, there's many different grades uh, depending on what style you climb in. But if we concentrate on um, trad climbing, which is what I do. Yep. And then if we concentrate on the UK system, uh, then you have like a an E grading scale or a um, severeness grading scale mixed with a technical grading scale. Um, and the, so if we just concentrate on the E part of it, it might be like E1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. Um, and that is the uh, sort of how bold it is, how well protected, you know, how serious the route is. Are you going to hurt yourself? Is it really safe? Um, and then the technical aspect is actually how hard or how difficult the moves are right and then they work together um <clears throat> sorry. okay yeah, yeah sorry yeah <laughs> sorry. um and then uh those those two work together uh so when you have uh when you have the e section and the technical section um you can't have like a really high e grade with a low technical number so that it's like a sliding scale they both move together um yeah. So it's it's complex. Even when it's, you started saying the UK version and this type of climbing. <laughs> yeah. Grades in climbing, it's just a whole can of worms. You but know? it's that thing, like you said, comparing, you kind of use the analogy of, of uh, ultra running and, and run, well, running in the different angle, uh, different aspects of it. I kind of saw climbing as, I, I didn't know a lot about running and then I definitely didn't know a lot about ultra running. But then as soon as the doors of ultra running opened, you learn about multi-day ultra running and different adventures that people take on and it, the, yeah. the different style of running that, okay, you run half of it, but you walk half of it. And it's a similar type of thing. So is there an area of climbing that, again, you haven't kind of looked into or done as much of because you, know, you have your specialities that, I guess, like bridge climbing and you've done some parkour <laughs> stuff as <laughs> yeah. well that you go, oh, I'd like to give that, give that a go or are giving that a go? Um, I think the thing in the last few years, uh, probably like the last four to five years, um, which I guess I'd, I'd always wanted to give a go, but never had the chance. And again, never really found the partners to do it was um, mixed climbing and winter climbing. Um, so that's using like axes, crampons, um, 
like, yeah, if we concentrate on, on like what we class as Scottish winter, um, then yeah, cli- climbing in Scotland in winter conditions, yeah, ice axes. Winter crampons. conditions very different to some of the stuff that you've done before with in hotter locations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, I, I don't mind being out in winter conditions in the cold, but the yeah, the the way that you climb is quite different, and also you're holding the act the ice axes that you're holding is like a massive massive handhold um but you're using the axes in many different ways so you're like pulling on them talking them into cracks pushing putting right, them upside okay. down a whole different um, skill a whole different skill mm. and also sometimes you're just resting the very you know end of the pick of the ice axe on some little edge and it's interesting because you when you're holding onto a, a hold with your fingers, you get feedback through yeah. through your body, Feeling, you know. Yeah, skin yeah. And but through the through the pick of the axe, you're holding onto a massive jug, but that the end of the axe could just be on the tiniest little thing, and it's really difficult to know is that going to rip or is it going to stay on there. Well, so, it sounds exciting. Yeah, it's a whole, it's, it's a whole different yeah. it's a whole different thing, but it's been interesting to kind of have a go in that side of climbing as well. To, to finish doing a few, a, a few questions of you know that people listening that either have want to get into climbing or new into climbing or young climbers, how do you train for climbing? Is it by doing it or are there different things that you can do to train grip strength and, and hang time as well? Um, I think for people getting into climbing who've never climbed, it's it's a reasonably accessible sport now with the, the amount of, let's say, bouldering gyms that are opening in yeah. cities around the country. I think bouldering has especially taken off because – it's kind of like you can just go to the bouldering gym, you can have a um, induction course, um, and then, you know, you can get your boots and your chalk and you can start climbing. And it's quite, you know, you can go by yourself, you don't need a partner, um, or you can go with friends and it's like really sociable. Yeah. Um, so I think that's like a really accessible way to get into climbing. And if you are just getting into it, then the best thing to do is just to go climbing, you know, like work on the movement skills and the tech technical aspect and don't worry too much about like finger strength and all this kind of stuff because you want to build a little bit of a base just from going climbing and holding onto the grips on the wall but then if you've been climbing for a long time and you're kind of getting into it and maybe you go into the wall you know three times the gym three times a week then you know you could start to look into like different things of training so you know fingerboarding and these kind of things um where you're like focusing on different parts of the body which will relate to climbing like finger strength is obviously really applicable and i think everyone i mean everyone that went to school in the uk will have climbed on because other schools have a climbing wall or a school trip to go on a climbing wall but but if you want to build on that and then take the step going outdoors and taking on like different mini walls and challenges outside are there easy ways to then start transferring that across and because i imagine it's a different skill doing it inside in a gym and but then taking it outside and doing an adventure might be a bit more of a step. Yeah, definitely going outside is a bit more of a step. And also you have to be in the right location in the in the country. And I think it probably could feel a little bit daunting, like going out outside. Um, I mean, the a good thing to do would, would probably, again, be like starting off bouldering because it's very accessible. Um, but still you would, you know, you kind of need a, a bouldering mat and stuff, which can be quite expensive for, for some people. Um, but I guess a good way could be going on to like some climbing forums 
um, and trying to get to speak to people. You know, if you are completely out of that loop um, or trying to speak to people at your local gym to kind of get information off them about local areas and stuff like that. Um, a, a really uh, like active UK for, I think it's still pretty active um, for climbers meeting and stuff. It's called UK Climbing. Um, and there's people on the forums there and you can get information and, um, I mean, it's a whole world of forums, you know, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, a yeah, lot of information. yeah, but yeah. you're, um, do, do you have people, idols that you look up to because on your social media, you have answering questions as well that, you know, from people like kids that want to learn more people that have been climbing that want to know more specific skills. And like you said, you'll be doing that today with people asking questions. Do you have people that you looked up to when you were younger that you learned from that you probably, and friends as well, that you, you're always learning. You're obviously an incredible climber, but you will learn something in each climb and every time that you do it. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, I'm still learning things now for sure. Like, yeah, always learning and you, you climb with different people and you yeah. learn different things. Like I was saying, I just started doing some more winter climbing and I've learned so much in that in the last five years um, from climbing with somebody called Matt Helica. Like he's a mountain guide and yep. he's like really knowledgeable and all this kind of stuff. And I've, to be honest, I felt like it's a bit of a free ticket. <laughs> like, wealth to, of knowledge. Yeah, wealth of knowledge. And, so yeah. much information coming. Um, and then like in earlier years, I mean, all, all the people that you're climbing with, you learning I, I feel like they're learning from me and i'm learning from them and you're learning through experiences um and i, I get i think i'm quite analytical of my climbing so if if i have done something or uh i like to see like what went well what went wrong th- thinking about those things and then trying to make it better for for the next this might sound it's like a really silly question but you know if you wake up in the morning you go oh, this if you're going to the gym, if you're going to work, it's like, oh, this isn't going to be a good, like I already not feel, or I've woken up the wrong side of the bed. Do you have the same, the same thing with a climb of going, I just don't have, I don't feel quite right today or, and then, or, or the other side of, yeah, I feel feeling really good today about this. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, definitely. Yeah. 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 For sure. There's some days where you're like, this is not feeling good. <laughs> <laughs> just not getting the yeah, quote. It's yeah. not feeling good. And then other days you're like, oh yeah, I'm feeling really good on point you know, really light, strong, yeah, all these sorts of things. Um, I mean, yeah, for sure it varies, yeah. Just before I ask you the last question, just circling back around to these challenges, there's there's times attributed to them. And do you, when you put a time pressure on yourself, like doing something in 24 hours or a certain time period, does that change your approach? Are you, obviously you have to make sure you're doing everything right in the climb, but you're almost against the clock then. Yeah, although I'm never too much thinking about the clock when I'm doing it. You're not um, sort of gripping on looking at the, <laughs> looking at watch going, no, oh, I need to do this a bit quicker. No, um, because you've already kind of thought out that it kind of is possible. Or uh, on one thing that I did where I, I was trying to climb Half Dome and um, El Cap in 24 hours, I kind of was like, okay, I'm climbing Half Dome first. That's 2,000 feet of climbing. If I can do it in this time then I know I can do yeah. the challenge. And I got to the top and I was like two hours ahead of it. And I was like, all right, yeah, well, this this is on. So, uh, okay, so and, then, and then I felt confident going into the next climb because I was like, I can definitely do it in that yeah. time frame. So you give yourself um, a bit of a window to yeah, do it in then. Yeah. Well, th- I, I, have to, I have to ask another silly question because even if people don't know about climbing, they probably would have seen photos of people of 
people when they're halfway up a wall and obviously if they're doing a long challenge and they might have to sleep and setting up the almost like sleeping bags and beds, tents, but on the side of a wall. So they are real. And have you ever... Have you ever had to do that as well? Yeah, yeah, I've used those a lot. Yeah, that called, looks insane. They're called portal ledgers, um, and they're like, yeah, hanging tent, basically. Um, I speak a little bit about them in my presentation yep. today. Uh, so, yeah, it's basically like a <clears throat> hanging tent. It's got a metal frame, canvas underneath, and then you kind of sleep top to toe with your climbing partner. And you just uh, have complete trust when you fall asleep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, suppose you, you get used to it as you, well. You attach it to the rock, of course. Yeah. You attach it to the rock safely. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've never heard of a portal edge falling off a wall. That would be. No. But I have heard of a portal edge collapsing. Like the, um, the, you have something called a spreader bar underneath right. the portal edge to stop it kind of um, collapsing inwards. And uh, my friends uh, forgot to put it on. And oh well, that doesn't help. Yeah, yeah. And then the metal, uh, the metal bars kind of unhook themselves, and they they basically. <laughs> In the middle of the night, they fell into like a cocoon, and they were both just like <laughs> on top of each other in their sleeping bag. Yes, that's not that's the last thing you want. They that said it was incredibly scary. Yeah, like, I could imagine. Yeah, but I suppose again, the same thing with height. You just get used to it, mm. and it's second nature to you now. But nutrition as well. You obviously have it takes a lot of. You have to eat a lot and, and stay strong. So are you taking food with you and just bars and gels and things like that? Yeah, like on the on the 24-hour sort of challenges, then um, it's, it's kind of like a thing of making sure that you're refueling constantly, but not too much, you know. You're not just like piling a load of food in. It, every five hours you're taking in, like a little bit every hour, yeah. whatever it is. Because you've got to carry all this stuff with you as well, so that you've got to think yeah. about the weight that you're, yeah. you're not only thinking about your body weight, but you've got to test, you know, you've, got, you've got to be able to carry an extra whatever kilograms on your back as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if it's like, yeah, for a challenge like that, like 24-hour base, then like the weight is quite important. If it's more <clears throat> an expedition-style big wall where you might be going for a week or a bit longer, you're still quite careful with the food that you're taking because you have to haul it up but you do have hauling systems which make it a little bit easier and you have longer so kind of slightly less of a issue the, the final question that I usually ask people is what's your next challenge but you've kind of said that at the moment you're doing little things and enjoying it and making the videos as well so is that the plan for the next year is just have little like micro challenges and micro adventures and things like that yeah 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 for sure um i mean yeah, I do. Always, I do always have projects. Like, yeah. yeah, I do always have projects. But I think in the last few years, I have become a little bit more relaxed in terms of. Um, yeah, I think I've just generally come a little bit more relaxed. I'm still highly motivated to get things done, yep. but but I'm a bit more relaxed about it in myself. So it's been quite nice, exciting, <laughs> yeah. exciting. Well, thank you so much, Pete. It's been been really interesting uh, to learn more about your adventures and, and more about climbing. Um, but at the beginning, I offered you a piece of advice from Preet. And now I get to ask you that I'll pass along to a guest coming in the near future, a piece of advice. Yeah. So I think my piece of advice would be to take opportunities. So I think for me, like over the last 10 years or whatever, I've learned to, you know, take, take the opportunities when they come because you never know what might come from that opportunity. And some, sometimes the, that opportunity, you take it and nothing happens from it. But sometimes, uh, you know, things do happen from it. And I feel like, yeah, I've taken some opportunities where yeah. I didn't feel like anything was going to happen. Then something else came out of it. And you're like, oh, that's interesting. Or you learn something or 
I it like takes that. you in a new direction. So that we've not had before. I look forward to passing that along. Pete, yeah. thank you so much. Yeah, cool. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Outside Atlantic podcast with Pete Whitaker. I hope that if you knew about Pete beforehand, that you could have a bit more of an insight about him and his challenges and if you didn't know about climbing and pete then maybe you're inspired to go and try climbing for yourself we have a whole host of other podcast guests available to listen to now on youtube or on your choice of podcasting platform and we want to say thank you to ephemia for sponsoring this episode of the podcast go and support them as they have been supporting us We'll be back next week with another episode and another guest on the Outside Nancy podcast. But until that time, enjoy the outdoors.